Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Megan Sforza, spiritual healer and psychic medium who works with special education children. Megan has had a near-death experience, and we're going to learn about that today and more. Megan, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. All right. If you don't mind, can we first start out with what happened to you as a child? Sure. So this happened about four years ago um, in 2017. I was going in for a routine gallbladder removal surgery, and I went in. And it was supposed to be a few hour thing. And um, I had a couple of family members there. And when I woke up in the recovery room, I almost remember looking at myself from like the outside of my body. And I was screaming in pain. And it was like really white around me. And I just remember seeing all these doctors over me. And they, they kept telling me to be quiet. And I just kept screaming in pain. So they re-gave me anesthesia, they gave me a nerve block, and then I went back out. So then I woke up hours later, and I went back to my regular room, and I just didn't feel right. I just wanted to go home. Something didn't feel right, and so my cousin brought me home. And she is um, an LPN, so she's very experienced with medical. And she thought it was very odd that way I was acting, and my blood pressure was very low. So when I got home, immediately as I walked in my door, my husband was with our children and I passed out the moment I walked in the door. And my cousin had said to my husband, her blood pressure was 73 over 44. I don't know why they discharged her, but if she starts to pass out, pour cold water on her, um, but keep a close eye. So I kept wanting to go upstairs and my husband was trying to have me stay downstairs. And so he finally brought me upstairs and um, sorry, it gets hard to talk about sometimes. So I had passed out a few more times and my husband kept taking care of me. And the last time that I passed out, I basically was dead. I had passed out on the floor completely naked. Um, I don't remember that. I had feces all over me. My body was just basically letting everything out. Um, so my husband said I turned completely gray and my stomach looked like I was like eight months pregnant. And he said it was, it was scary. I was completely gray. He had me on the back of the toilet, he put me on the toilet. He had the skin on the back of my neck, holding me up, calling 911. And this is where I started to experience the outer body experience again. I remember looking at myself kind of leaning over the toilet and they broke down my, they had to break into my house because my husband could not let me go. And I remember like standing behind the EMT watching myself. They couldn't find my pulse. They couldn't find my heart rate. And I remember all of them talking, but I wasn't responding. Like I can remember the scenario 
from the outside. It's really weird. I remember what the EMT looked like, but I wasn't awake. I was completely, basically dead. I remember also, this was the most vivid memory of the whole situation. They had to bring me down the stairs in a stretcher, but I remember what it looked like. It was a chair stretcher. And I remember standing at the bottom of the stairs, watching them bring me down. And I watched like my children and my grandmother. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I was watching myself from the outside. I was literally watching them carry me into the ambulance and the stretcher and they couldn't get me back really. Um, so we go to the hospital and the next part that I remember is being in their trauma room. But again, I'm not looking at it from my own eyes. I'm looking at it from the outside, like watching myself. It was very, very different. So they put me into the trauma room and the emergency room, cut off all my clothes. And um, basically, I almost internally bled to death because the clip to the main artery fell off. That goes to my heart. And I was in ICU for a week. So this was about 6 p.m. that night that I went back to the hospital. And I did not actually wake up until the next morning at 6.30. And I remember watching the whole thing from outside of my body. I, I really believe that I died and came back. Um, I was very angry for a long time. And I had one psychic memory like situation prior to the surgery and I really wasn't open to the psychic mediumship but if things came to me I would just talk about them and I realized after a while of just being so angry about the situation like why did God do this to me why me my children every time I get sick think that I'm gonna die um I look at it as life was preparing me for that. So I don't look at it as being angry anymore. I look at it as now understanding what a near-death experience is. And I think that it was supposed to happen because it almost opened up my psychic ability. Um, but I've, I now that I talk more about near-death experience experiences, I never realized how many other people have them. Um, but I definitely thank God now in the universe for that experience and I look at it in a good way because it opened me up to where I am now. You said that uh, something about a clip on the artery. Did they clamp an artery shut and, for, and forget to stitch it up and leave the clamp inside of you? So the clamp is supposed to shut, hold the artery shut. It's supposed to, it's like a little metal clip and it, mm -hmm. it goes on the artery. Well, I guess it fell off. I don't wow. know how. Mm. And it's inside my body right now currently. Mm. Wow. I had to have multiple blood transfusions. Um, and because I have a very rare blood, I have negative RH negative and O negative. So the blood I have is kind of like gold. I can only take that kind of blood, but I can give blood to anybody in the whole world. Mm -hmm. um, but I had to have multiple blood transfusions. Um, but I changed. And I also remember in that ICU, the third day I was in there, they let me take a shower. And I remember taking that shower and I just cried. I was in this big room by myself and I just cried and I almost feel like something washed off of me. I like washed off the old me. I don't know how to explain it to you. I, that moment that I took that shower was almost like the moment I was like a new person, but it was very emotional because I feel like there was just this 
whole person washed off of me. I don't, I don't, I, I will never forget that day. Were you angry at because you had to go through all these medical procedures again? Or were you angry at being outside of your body? I was more angry that I didn't have control of the situation. Um, being completely almost dead and not awake and have a say or understand what's going on because I couldn't respond. Um, and I only remember things from the outside of my body, but I was angry because I was completely out of it and I didn't have any say in what was going on. And I, and I couldn't respond or talk to anybody cause I wasn't, I was kind of dead, passed out. I don't really know. Um, but it was the vulnerability, um, mm. that made me very angry. Um, but I don't look at it as angry anymore, but then I did. How long did you it, say it took you to get over it about a week or longer? To get over the anger? That, yes. No, about five, five to like seven months. Wow. It took me a long time. I was very depressed um, and didn't understand why I was so angry and depressed until I started to have more medium um, instances where I started to connect more. And um, I started to look at it completely different that I think instead of looking at it as being angry, I had to be happy. You know what? I, I'll backtrack a second. I forgot. So I was seeing a therapist as well for nine years and I had been doing EMDR therapy. A lot of people don't know what EMDR therapy is, but I did it for five years. And I remember my therapist had to do EMDR with me for a good year and a half to reprocess my brain through that scenario. And also my husband had to go to see my therapist to do the EMDR because he said every time he would go in that bathroom, he would have flashbacks of seeing me dead on the toilet. Um, and he did it and he got through it. Um, so the EMDR therapy worked a lot to help I, me get through that as well. I've never heard of that. What is the, what does that stand for? And what is it? <laughs> so it's kind of like EFT, but it's eye movement, um, desensitized reprocessing so basically it's a kind of uh, trauma based therapy where you have to hold these tapers and it's reprocessing the brain so there's a light that goes across and it moves and your eyes follow it and you hold these tappers and you kind of zone out and you go to a certain scenario or you know you go in with your anxiety or something and it brings you back to childhood so most um, triggers as adults with anxiety that we have are triggered from something when we were little the brain develops those um the part of your brain between the ages of three and eight so a lot of the times when as an adult now if we get like angry about something if we get angry about i don't know something silly that people shouldn't get angry about it's really not that situation that's aggravating you or giving you anxiety it's something that triggered you when you were little so not to get off topic, but the EMDR therapy helped me take that situation instead of being stuck in the frontal temporal part of my brain and reprocessing it and moving it on. Even though you had your NDE, it sounded like you've had a psychic experience even before it. I did. Do you feel like your NDE has amplified your psychic abilities? Absolutely. I always felt as a kid... I didn't know what an empath was as a child, but I would always just consume a lot of energies around people and kind of know when people were frustrated without them saying it or kind of like 
have weird vibes from people and they would think I was crazy. Um, but right before my surgery, I had a very specific experience. I was sitting at the dinner table with my husband and his grandmother had just passed. And so I decided to make a memorial video for the funeral. So this is three days after she passed. So I had asked the whole family to send me pictures um, because she was in her nineties when she passed. So a lot of pictures weren't on technology. <laughs> they were printed out. Um, so I, one of his cousins who is no longer here either sends me a picture that she took with her phone of an old Polaroid picture. And at this dinner table, before I got the picture, I was mid fork about to eat and I just stopped and I saw his grandmother and she was wearing a long white dress with long white sleeves, holding hands like this with a man in a suit. I said, and Edwin, you're going to, that's my husband's name. I said, you're going to think I'm crazy right now, but I see your grandmother right in front of me. And I described what she was wearing and holding hands with this man. Mm -hmm. I said, but she wants me to let you know that she's okay. She's with your grandfather. And he got really freaked out. And I was almost freaked out. I'm like, this, this can't be like real. So the next day I get that picture and it was of her in the long white dress with the long white sleeves, holding hands, exactly how I described it with a man in a black suit. And it was a very old picture. It was kind of like yellowish. That's how old it was. It was an old Kodak picture. And as soon as I saw that picture the next day, I dropped my phone and started crying and I showed my husband and it was almost validation. I had only told him about it and his mother. And, and as soon as we got that picture, it validated everything. But that was the only experience I had um, until the surgery. It was like a one-time thing. And then after the surgery, it just was like spirit flood. Like I get it all the time and I was getting it over and over again. That I actually have a relationship with this grandmother. She, she talks to me in Spanish too, and I don't know Spanish. So I have to translate all the time. I'll say like what she's saying to me and I'll have to call my mother-in-law and she'll tell me the word in Spanish. And it's almost like she teaches me Spanish too. It's, it's like insane. So the first time you saw his grandmother, did it seem like they were physically there? Like just, or were they more ghostly translucent? It's kind of like I step into a different vibration. Um, when I, when I can physically see spirits, because it's not all the time, sometimes I can hear them. That was the most vivid time I've seen a spirit. It's like my eyes step, I, I, everything else around me just disappears and I'm in like a different realm in this scenario at least and it was like everything outside of me muted I wasn't in my house and I just like saw it and it was really welcoming um it wasn't like ghostly it wasn't it was like a happy memory um I don't I don't know how to explain it I was just in a different place but it was very specific and very vivid do you feel like you were seeing them in real time or were you seeing that picture from the future you know that's a good question I think my husband was so upset with her being gone because they were so close. Um, I think she wanted me to give the message. But I also think she, because she's one of my spirit guides, I think that specific scenario, she was trying to give me validation that I had an ability and also wanted to give my husband the message that she's okay. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think there was a couple of dynamics to that specific reading, I guess. When the floodgates started open and... <laughs> You just started getting spirits all the time. Did you at first start going crazy? Like, what's happening to me? Why are these spirits all talking to me? 
I think it would happen a lot at my old job. I was a case manager for home care and I was dealing with a lot of hospice patients and elderly patients. Um, and I would just walk into a client's house to do an intake and I just immediately would get flooded. So I think being around elderly people that are close to that point in passing, I think being in that for four and a half years, really that's why it was flooding so much back then because I was around it a lot without helping. And I had to learn how to build boundaries with my spirit guides and the other side, because otherwise it'll just be 24 seven. So I've learned with training how to either shut it off and build boundaries and be like, no, I can't talk right now. Like now is not the time, but before I could control it, it would just happen all the time, especially driving, sitting there. Like I just go into a blank stare when I, before, when I wasn't able to like control it. I would just go into a blank stare and I would just get really emotional all the time because I would just hear all these different spirits trying to tell me all these things because they want to talk to so many people. I was like a portal. It was like they were using me to like tell their loved ones this and that. And I had to learn to shut it off when need be. So how did you decide to channel all this into helping special needs children? My oldest son is nine. And at the age of five, he was diagnosed with autism, um, very high functioning. Um, more sensory processing disorder based. And I started to put him into a lot of therapy. He was getting school services, but I would also do outside services with him. Um, And things got hard having that job in elderly care. And it was consuming so much of my time at home because I would be on call all the time that I wasn't giving my family and my children the attention they needed. So since I was so experienced with him and his autism, I said, you know what, why don't you just, it was when COVID started, I said, why don't you just go work with special education children? So I changed my entire career. I was well qualified to be doing this, um, but I wanted to be more of a mom to my children, especially with their special needs. Um, So I started to work with special education children a year and a half ago. And there were a lot of nonverbal kiddos. Um, and the first time I realized that I kind of, I, I look at it as like, I'm kind of like cheating. Like I use my ability to understand them without them actually telling me was when I would see some adult educators not understanding special education kids. Um, so I would be the staff member that would try to reaccommodate them. And I realized before their behaviors would start, I would know it was going to come on. If my student was going to start running, I literally would know seconds before, which was weird. And they would be like, how did you know that? And I'm like, I, I, I just know. And I, that's, this happened to me the other day. There was another student with another teacher. And I said, he's going to run. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then he ran. So I think the spirit guides give me an ability, especially for the ones that are nonverbal to understand how they're feeling. Cause they're not able to express how they're feeling. Um, especially the student I have now, um, the student I have now is nonverbal. Um, and we have a really good relationship because I can almost understand the student. Uh, I can understand when things are not wanted. I can understand from their energy when, they're happy when they're sad, when they're hungry, um, when they're uncomfortable, that a lot of people can't. So I feel like I cheat a little bit and use my ability to work with them 
but I also help them. Um, and it's a really good feeling. Are you working in the public school system? Yes. Okay, that's great. I wouldn't call it cheating. I mean, you're just, you have an extra ability, you know? And it's hard. There are a lot of people in that field that do the job because they need a job. I I don't. I work in this industry because I have the heart for it and I want to help. And I took a career that was very successful and jumped to a whole different career because I have the heart in it. Um, but I also just love helping, helping people. And I feel like those kiddos that feel differently need somebody in their life to not feel like they're any different. Uh, and it takes a lot of patience. Um, but I definitely use my ability to work with those children, even adults. I used to work with adult, um, traumatic brain injury clients years ago, years, years ago. Um, and I would also be able to connect with those clients of mine that had aphasia and they could not really talk. They would, the words would come out really funky, but I was able to make out somehow what they were trying to tell me. And they'd be like, how did, how, how do you understand? I'm like, I'm just listening, but maybe I wasn't actually physically listening. I was energy wise listening, but back then I didn't know that this Hmm. was before I knew I had an ability. What other abilities do you feel like you've gotten from your NDE? I definitely feel um, that I look at life a lot differently now. And I'm always there to remind people that you don't know how long you have. You don't know if there's a tomorrow. And I feel like my NDE made me just look at every day differently. I don't regret anything. Uh, If I make mistakes, I'm just like, well, there's a tomorrow. I learn from them. I've learned not to dwell on things that can, like things that are not happy in life or things that people want. I just take every day for granted and I'm happy to be here every day. And I feel like because I basically had an NDE and died, came back. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how valuable their life is until they're in that scenario. Um, So I think it changed me for the better in a way that I don't let things stress me out anymore. Um, I'm kinder to people. It gave me a lot of patience as well. People always tell me I'm so patient and I'm like, really? Sometimes as a mom, I don't feel that way. Um, But I definitely think it gave me that as well, to love myself. Do you fear death at all? No, I used to talk to some of my clients about this. I'm happy you brought that up. I haven't thought about this in a while. I think death is beautiful and I would have conversations. There was one specific elderly patient that was going to pass. And, uh, I asked her that question. I said, are you afraid of death? And she said to me, no, Megan, she said, I think, I think death is a beautiful thing. You get to be with your loved ones and you don't have to suffer anymore. So she made me look at it differently. And my NDE definitely heightened that feeling for me as well. I'm not afraid of it at all. So I definitely think it makes me fearless in a sense too. Are you a religious person? I grew up Catholic. Um, and I was, I, I, I believe in God and I, and I grew up Catholic. I would go to church CCD, but I always felt like that relationship was just not fully connected and I wanted it to be connected. And I would talk to God all the time, pray, And then the moment I realized I had my ability and I started to read books like The Secret, it's one of my favorite books, I realized that universe and God are the same thing. 
sometimes your relationship, you just have to look at it differently. And the moment that I switched the way I view my religious sense or religion, I guess, and I transferred it into thinking of God as the universe, my life changed so much in my belief. I still think of it as God too, but I just look at it differently. The way I pray is I I write letters to the universe, which would just be like people praying to God. I think it's the same person, the same, I don't know. I just look at it as the same. So I, yes, I changed my religion in a sense, hmm. I would say. Only thing that you mentioned was, you know, being more physically present around your body during your NDE. But did you happen to see anything like other beings, spirits, other realms? So when I was in the ICU room and um, I remember all this white, like white lights, Um, there was a lot, it was very white, but I remember like feeling like they were pulling, somebody was pulling, right? And I remember somebody saying like, no, you have kids, like it's no, you have your kids, you have your kids. And it was almost like this pulling effect, like I was like pulling and then I was being pushed back down into the bed. Um, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause I forgot to mention that. Yes. And it was very white, but it was, I didn't see any other realm, but I heard it. And there were like multiple people saying, no, it's not time. Like, and, and it was like my body, like my spirit, I guess was like going up. But I do remember feeling like I was pushed like back into the bed. Do you recognize any of those voices? Now that I'm very in tuned with who I talk to on my spirit guides, I definitely think that it was, um, it was family members that I, that died when I was very young. It was, um, definitely my aunt, her mother, although she died before I was born, I still feel connected to her, um, because I have a really close relationship with my aunt. And I definitely think at that time, she was somebody that was watching over me huge. And my aunt was the one that brought me to the hospital for my surgery that day. So I think she was with me. And I really think that's who that was. I don't know what her voice sounds like, but I could just tell who is who when they're there. But in that moment, it wasn't only her, there were other people, but I think that was the main one. Since you've met a lot of spirits, do you have any anecdotes that you can tell us about being with a spirit that told you something that kind of really changed your whole viewpoint on life. The advice that I would give is if you're feeling something or hearing something, just listen to it. Let it be. Don't try to control the feeling. Don't try to control what is being said to you. Just let it happen and listen in because if something's being told to you that you're like, I don't understand or why am I getting this weird feeling? It's being told to you for a reason. And a lot of people try to control readings or control the messages and you can't, you just have to let it come through. And I would write down things a lot at first. I would write down the messages that I would get. Um, one of the biggest things is if your ear is ringing, right? I used to think that myth was real. Like somebody's talking about you, if the left ear is ringing and the right ear. What I realized is when that ear starts ringing, I would just close my eyes if I wasn't driving. I would close my eyes and I would just shut everything off. And most of the time when my ear would ring and I would do that, I would get a message. I would just randomly start thinking about something. And that's how I I really started to open up to it. With the ear ringing, I would just shut everything out and just 
focus and just listen. And then that's when I would start to get the messages. Do you think we all get messages all the time? We just don't know how to pay attention to them? I do. And I think fear is a big part of that. Um, I think people are fearful of it. I think people try to control it as well. But I think fear is the biggest one. And even when I'm in a room of people, I can sense when somebody is so afraid of like the readings, they just, I could just sense it. So I don't do readings when there are people like that in the room, but the fear is the biggest one. And I know I mentioned that earlier that my NDE gave me like this fearless look on life and I feel fearless. Fear is a hundred percent the biggest part of why people block it or they are afraid of it. Do you think we all have spirit guides that are always around us? I do a hundred percent. Um, I actually talk to a lot of people about that. People just takes a while to understand who your spirit guide is. Um, but I think everybody has at least one, if not many more. Um, and a lot of the times if people really want to know who their spirit guide is or understand how to connect with their spirit guide, I always tell them, I say, you know, what is it that you're, let's just say Mrs. Smith, why, why are you so angry that Mrs. Smith isn't here. And they would say, oh, I miss them. I wish I could have done more. I'm like, you have to let go of the regret because you're never going to in tune with your spirit guide if you're holding on to things that could have been done differently. You're not going to be able to connect until you let that go, forgive yourself. And you have to stop carrying that on. So you're using your abilities working with children at this public school system. Are you also working like on the side as a psychic or something like that? Yes. So I was doing a lot of readings. Um, This was like two and a half years ago. And I decided a year and a half ago to make like a business out of it. Um, And I empowered spiritually. I bought the domain. And I do spiritual guidance readings and I do medium readings. So I do that a lot on the side. Um, And it's usually the same people that come back. So once I get somebody, they always come back for more, which is a good thing. Mm. Um, And a lot of the times it's not even medium readings. It's just helping them with things that they're stuck on. So I kind of use EMDR as well in my readings. Um, And I just help people feel more empowered So I do have a website. I do do readings a lot. And every week I'm part of a Psychic Bridges group. It's called um, Psychic Bridges. David McQuinn is my mentor. Mm -hmm. He's a great medium, very experienced. And every Tuesday for two hours, we just do readings for new people that come in and we do training. Um, I've been doing that for over a year now and it's been so helpful. Do you have to use a tool like tarot cards or anything to kind of help guide you in doing your readings? When I do medium readings, no. I do like to have stones around because I feel like it cleanses the room. Um, But no, I don't have to. When I do my spiritual guidance readings, which are kind of just helping people, I don't know, go through struggles, whatever their question may be. um, I do use tarot cards, but I don't use them the same way that everyone else does. I've never looked at the manual. I look at them as a tool. And I explain that every time I do readings, I don't say you got the king of cups. I I don't even know what the definitions are. I use it as a tool for my spirit guides and they'll lay me out the cards and they'll, they'll bring me back through a situation. And they're like, how did you know that? And I just look at the cards as a tool. So I really think because I'm a medium and I use tarot cards, I don't do it the same way tarot readers do. I don't look at the names of the cards, read the manual, nothing. I just use it as a tool. Same Mm -hmm. thing with 
a pendulum or the divining rods. I have all those things, but I don't really need them. You know, they were helpful in the beginning with training, but I don't really need them at all anymore. Do you think you had any negative after effects from your NDE besides the anger? I think it put me in a great depression for sure. Um, but I was very disconnected from myself. I think because my NDE was so traumatic and my, like my soul left my body and went back, I felt really disconnected from my body, from my own self. And I was not myself for a long time. Besides the anger and the, and the being angry and all of that, I just felt like I was walking and moving with the motions every day. I was just in a body. I didn't feel myself. Um, it just was going with the motions every day, getting up, going to work with the kids. I wasn't laughing with people. I wasn't doing anything. I would just, it was like, I was just in a body, to be honest with you. So I almost feel like I re-became a whole new person. It's interesting. A lot of my guests are angry when they come back because they didn't want to come back. They, you know, they're like, oh, I had to come back here. And they're angry because it was so amazing on the other side. For me, I honestly believe that they didn't take me and they put me back because they wanted me to help other people with my ability. And they wanted me to be more open to it. And I never realized the gift I, the gift I have can help so many people. Never knew that this is where I would be back then working with special education children and helping them and helping people with readings. Um, but I think that's, for me, that was my experience for sure. Also from talking to so many people about their NDEs, I think it's very common for people to have trouble when they first come back and it takes time to kind of figure it all out and process the experience. That's where the EMDR therapy came into play. Cause I had to physically with many, 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 many months reprocess my brain to get through the experience and stop focusing on it 24 mm seven. -hmm. I would constantly think about it. I would get, I wasn't able to focus on anything else, but that I'd think about it and I would cry all the time. And I had to literally train my brain and reprocess the scenario and able in order to have a normal day and normal thinking, normal focus on my kids and my work and my relationships around me. Um, it was like retraining my brain with a professional though. Do you think that it felt more real being out of your body than being inside of your body? Yes. During that scenario, you mean Yeah. during my NDE? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, because after when I woke up, like I said, I just felt like I was just like in a body. I mm -hmm. didn't feel like Megan but when I was watching myself from the outside during that scenario, especially when I was coming down the stairs, I think it's so crazy how I can, re how I remember it. I, I was at the bottom of the stairs watching them bring me down. It was the weirdest thing. Um, I, I felt more present. I feel like that was the last time I was ever the old Megan. That's interesting to consider that the old Megan. Yeah, I was like reborn. I know people are going to think I'm crazy saying that, mm -hmm. but it was like I was reborn into a different person. Um, and for for the good part of me, I have never been so happy. I, I'm a, in such a better place because of my NDE mm -hmm. that I'm grateful for it. I think life prepared me for it. I think it was supposed to happen. 
-hmm. instead of looking at it as why did this happen to me? I think it was supposed to happen. And it was like, I was reborn into a different person who I was supposed to be. Um, I don't at all ever feel like that person before that was like a different Megan. Has the memory of this experience faded over the years? Or if you think about it, is it just as clear today as when it happened? It's definitely just as clear now as when it happened. I just don't focus on it all the time. Um, In the beginning, it was hard not to think about it 24-7 and use it as an excuse to be depressed Mm -hmm. or use it as an excuse to not want to do anything and not be motivated. Do you think the EMDR made it so that you don't have such an emotional reaction to the memory anymore? Well, what happens with trauma is it affects the frontal temporal part of your brain. So a lot of people, when they have trauma, it's stu- it's stuck in that frontal part of your brain. And if it's stuck in the frontal part of your brain, it's all you're actually going to focus on. That's where your focus is in your brain. It's how the triggers work. So if you don't reprocess it and move it to this, the different sector of your brain, it's unhealthy. You're going to constantly relive that trauma all the time. So because I did the professional work I needed to on it, um, I feel like the the trauma went where it was supposed to in a good way. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite part about being a psychic medium? This is going to sound so crazy, but I love when people cry because I know I'm doing my job. I know when I'm doing a reading with somebody and they automatically get that gasp of air and then they just get emotional. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm not controlling the message and I'm just giving the message. And I love seeing the aftermath of helping people. Um, I have people come back and say, you know, you've helped me so much that now I want to work on this. I have a lot of people that keep coming back and they work on so many different things and they move so far in life. I remember I had a reading with a girl one time and she was at like rock bottom. She had no job. Her mom just passed away. She had, she had like nothing. So I did a reading with her and I gave her messages from her mom. Now she's in school, has a car, has a job, um, and just looks happy. And it's just so amazing to see the aftermath of helping people Mm. and have them not be stuck in being stuck. If you don't mind, what was the message that she heard that helped flip the switch for her? She and a lot of people go through the same scenario. They think that for her, her mom isn't there with her. And that they're not proud. The mom wasn't proud of her. And the mom just wasn't watching her every day. So when I said to her, this was a long time ago, though, but I said, you know, your mom is with you. And then the mom gave me a specific object that was in a room. I said, go, go in that room. And on the shelf, there's a little jar that has like a necklace in it. And then she went in there. And then that was the validation for her. Like, okay, this lady Megan here is, is, is accurate. Um, and I said, your mom is with you every day. She's proud of you. She said, she wants you to try to like, stop this and like change this. And yes, go back to school for this. Stop second guessing yourself. So in that message, she gave a lot of direction and validation that she's still there. So the moment that people relieve that fear that their mother, father, husband, isn't there anymore, that they're, that they are with them, even though it's not physically, they release so much that's blocking them from moving forward in life. So people don't understand how much they hold back if they hold on to that sadness, if they if they hold on to that, the just being gone, the person being gone. Um, it holds them back from a lot. 
And the moment they relieve that and know that that person is there with them, even though not in this physical world, they have so much success and they have so much mental relief. It changes a lot for people. Are there any other patterns that you've recognized in people like the one you just explained? Yes. A lot of people are angry. Why? Why God or why the world took away this person? And a lot of the times it's people that are sick. And I have to explain to people with a message from spirits or before I even go into a reading when they tell me what is going on. I say, um, those people are suffering. They were suffering and they aren't suffering anymore. They're in a better place. You cannot ask why and be angry. I, I always ask them this question. Would you still want this person here in a hospital bed being sick? Or would you rather them be in a free world where they're not suffering anymore? And then they change the way that they look on it. So a lot of the times I have to kind of put a mirror up to people when I'm doing readings and I have to make them realize that sometimes it's meant that people aren't here anymore because they're either suffering with mental health or physical health. Thank you. And I get a lot of suicide as well. For some reason, I can pick up, I feel like every medium has a different, sometimes they could pick up different types of messages, but I get a lot of suicide um, readings. I just pick up easy on it. And a lot of people that, overdose on drugs. I don't know why. I could just pick it up real easy for some reason. Are those usually intentional or accidental? I feel like spirits are comfortable because a lot of the times people that are me- people people that are mediums uh, because I could pick I feel like they're comfortable with me. It's this is going to sound weird, but I feel like the spirits are comfortable with me. They're not afraid to tell me that they overdosed on heroin. I think they they pass with that fear that people are still judging them. I know people aren't going to believe me on that, but that's really what I truly believe. And I feel like they're comfortable with me. So they'll tell me the truth. They will tell me they stole this. They, they drink a lot. They stole from their mom. They took pills. They, and and they know I don't judge them. So it's definitely a relationship building portion there with mediumship a hundred percent. All right. Well, you're working with kids. You've got your own side practice. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? No, that pretty much makes my plate pretty full. But I eventually really want my mediumship um, further. And I really, my goal is to do that full time and help people full time. Um, I do love working with children, but I mean, this is down the road. It's my goal. Um, and I really would like to do that more. Um, and that's my goal. But right now, that's about it because I work and have the kids and do the reading. So I'm pretty maxed out. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or communicate with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they reach you? Absolutely. So they can either go on my website or maybe we can put out my email. Um, so I have my website email. Um, so we can definitely do it via email. That would be awesome. The more people I can help, the better it would be. If you want to say it. Okay. So my email is M-E-G-S-F-O-R-Z-A at gmail.com. So it's megsforza at gmail.com. And my website is empoweredspiritually.com. Now you're also on Instagram. Are you on Facebook too? Yes. 
so my Facebook is Megan Leon, um, and my Instagram is Meg Sforza. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Just be grateful for still being here today. And don't hold yourself back from your dreams and your goals. And just push yourself to be a better version of you and live every day with no regrets. Megan, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you. And I wish you a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. You as well. It was a great time. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.